This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What up? We back with some more content. Mm-hmm. Um, the rule of life. The rulier of life, eh? Yep. But we also got some cocktails. We do. Um, so this is a Monte Carlo. Um, so we did the Manhattan last week. Um, and so I thought it was a nice... Did we actually do... Oh, we did do the Manhattan. That's we right. did the Manhattan uh, last week. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I thought it'd be a nice transition to move into a Manhattan-like drink. Yeah. Um, essentially, it's a Manhattan that you sub out um, sweet vermouth from Benedictine. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. Um, I have my own variation of something in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a Monte Carlo, I like them, you know, yeah. it's a nice change of pace every once in a while. Yeah. Well, Clayton and I, so uh, as you guys know, we don't have an office. We record these in my home. Yeah. As you can see, I just recently moved and in the process of moving, I didn't have like, I don't know. I just, well, and then me going through some stuff, I quit drinking liquor for several months, like an extended period of time. And so I just didn't have any alcohol left or any liquor left. And so, and Clayton's like, um, an armchair mixologist. So I don't know if I like the armchair added on that, but well, you got creds. No, but it's an art. Well, yeah, you can do art from an armchair. Okay. <laughs> keep going. I'm like, yeah, not, keep not sure what your qualm is, but keep okay. going. I got qualms, but keep going. Um, anyway, so I asked Clayton, I was like, Hey man, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, I think I'm at a place where I'm okay to start drinking a cocktail again every now and again. So I want to go to total wine and like restock my bar with all the stuff I need. And he was like, well, what kind of cocktails do you want to make? And I was like, well, I'm pretty one dimensional, but like, I want to branch out a little bit. And so we talked about it and I really love rye whiskey. Yeah. Like it, it is probably my favorite whiskey. And that that's shocking to me because I used to say scotch was my favorite whiskey. And now I'm just really like, I'm really fascinated with rye whiskey now. I just love it. Well, a good rye whiskey is good. Um, but it, it, um, there's a small category of people that would say that it's their favorite. Yeah, I think I'm in that category. It, it is a small category of people. My favorite, it's 50-50 between bourbon and scotch. Um, I'm also just not sure how many, because rye whiskey is, I think it's definitely less popular than yeah. scotch or bourbon. Oh, for sure it is. And so I really like it. And so like, if I'm going to treat myself to a really nice bottle of whiskey, historically I've done scotch. But mm-hmm. here recently... 
Been it's been rye whiskey. And man, if you buy really expensive rye whiskey, it can be really good. I would put it up with any scotch. It can be really good. Um, I mean, honestly, like I respect and drink all different categories of whiskey for what yeah. they are. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, for sure. You can't compare a rye whiskey to a scotch and expect it to taste the same. Correct. Right. It's just but a different thing. Because I like rye whiskey, uh, I wanted some more whiskey cocktails that were rye based, but I don't really like vermouth. I'm not a huge vermouth person. And our uncle made a Monte Carlo for us one night when we were visiting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's good. Yeah. And so, uh, Clayton turned me on to it. And so I, yeah, I enjoy him. So he, he did more equal parts. He didn't measure. His just, was really sweet. I just too, watched which, him pour. His was like equal parts, which is fine, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's nothing that says you can't do that. Um, I just favor rye whiskey more. Yeah, and I so want the whiskey flavor a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I don't want the Benedictine to overpower it. Yeah. I also put my own spin on it with an orange twist. Mm. Um, and what I did is I twisted and expressed the oils in the bottom of the glass first before mm. pouring the drink in yeah um so that it's fully incorporated yeah. right yeah um, jamie boudreau turned me on to that one got you well cheers buddy cheers man yeah see that yeah that's yo. very good that's really good you like it better now yes that is a very good cocktail yeah you, you gotta stir it serve it neat yep Yep. Uh, because it, Benedictine is really delicate. Yeah. And if you have too much dilution, you completely lose it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you have the got to have the right amount of bitters to to make it work too. So. Yeah. Well, let's continue our conversation about rule of life. Yeah. Um, we're using uh, Ken Shigematsu's book, God in My Everything, which I really like. I think if if you told me that every Christian had to and could only read one book other than the Bible for the rest of their life, and it was the only book they could ever read, it would be this book. I think it's, it is a foundational book for spiritual formation. Mm -hmm. I think Adele's book is a very, very close second. Yeah. But Adele's book is much more informational and I think Ken's book is much more transformational. Right. So in the book, Ken has this metaphor of a trellis. That our rule of life is a trellis and um, our formation grows up on it. And so he breaks these like subcategories of the book into sections and he calls them roots, relate, restore, and reach out. These are the four categories that our rule of life impact. And in the roots, he starts with Sabbath. Mm. Because roots set the foundation for what's to come. And he thinks that Sabbath is the most important. I saw my preaching coach posts the other day and posted a picture of him on Instagram and he's just chilling somewhere and he takes a picture and he's at a pool or something. And all you can see is his feet and wherever he's sitting. And the caption is, 
I wish I would have valued Sabbath earlier in my life. Mm. Because I think we all, you know, we were talking about this on Let's Talk a little bit, but like we think our life needs to be busy in order for it to have meaning. Yeah. Which is just not true. It, it's nonsense. It that's that's a stupid American thing. Yeah. I wish I didn't live that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I read I something. I don't remember what I was reading, but I read something just the other day on Instagram. Oh, it was from, uh, so you want to talk about it? And I think it was like some July 4th thing or whatever. And on there, they said, um, the U.S. is the only industri- industrialized country that does not have mandated annual leave. Yeah. And I asked our dad, who has led projects, he's in the oil and gas world, he's led projects in, I don't know, 30 countries, something like that. Uh, I don't know, a lot. He's led countries, I think, in like 30 countries, or led projects in like 30 countries, or like had things where he had to manage in 30 countries, and then he's worked in like, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 countries. I don't know. It's been a lot, though, Um, and some of them... Projects with massive budgets. Yeah, yeah. Like Multi-billion dollar budgets. Yeah. I asked my dad. I was like, Dad, is this true? And he's like, I've never been to an industrialized country that doesn't have mandated leave except the U.S. He's like, now I haven't been to all of them. But he's like, of the ones I've been to? Yeah, that's true. And I was like, man, this is a uniquely American phenomenon that like we feel this incessant need to work. And, and so uh, I do want to, we're, we're traipsing into a difficult area here, you know, politically and looking at policy and surrounding all this. There are people that value this American lifestyle, though. Um, I think we all do. If you live in America and have a job, you make more money than most people in the world. Yeah. Even if you have minimum wage. Yeah. Now, I also have a problem with minimum wage because minimum wage doesn't allow you to actually live in America. Yeah. But per capita. I mean, the minimum yeah. wage was set for the poverty line back in like 1960, something yeah, like and that. and it like hasn't moved but like 50 cents. Uh, yeah. An hour. Um, it's, it's nonsense. Um, because the poverty line has also gone up as well. Right. But minimum wage has stayed the same. It's ridiculous. Yes. But- we're traipsing into a very difficult area here because I, I don't want anybody to think that we're um, crapping on this idea of valuing work. No, 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 not at um, all. Because we're not. We're not saying that we're not taking like a socialist stance here. No, 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 not at all. Um, but we're also not trying to take this overcapitalized. Yeah. You that, know, like. That's the deal. I'm not trying to. Well, let me say, I no longer want to live my life by this idea that I feel as if I have to work 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week Excuse me. in order to feel valued or important. Yeah. That's what I'm crapping on. Yeah. 
And Sabbath is a part of that. I went several yeah. years of my life never having Sabbath. Yeah. Um, You're taking one soon. Hmm? You're taking some Sabbath coming up here pretty soon. Uh, yeah. So, well, that that's a good segue. Biblically, we get the idea of Sabbath from several places, but you, you would organically point to Genesis 1 and the idea that God rested on the seventh day. God didn't rest because he needed to rest, right? He's right. a perfect being. He rested as an example for us to follow that we need rest, right? Psalm 23, he makes me lie down by green pastures. Rest is a part of life. It should be a weekly thing, yeah. but it should also be something that extends beyond weekly. You should have vacations. Yes. What we would call them in America, right? Vacations. Well, no. So I would differentiate a vacation from a Sabbath. Oh, you would? I would. Um, so I had a preaching professor, Dr. Dwayne Brooks, uh, Tallawood Baptist Church, great church, great prof, great mentor, the whole thing. He told me a long time ago, he said, Cullen, I would never accept a job at a church that didn't give me at least four weeks vacation annually and one week of Sabbath every year and seven weeks of Sabbath every seven years. Mm. Because vacation and Sabbath are not the same. Yeah, Sabbath is, well, let me say, there's overlap. Things you would do on vacation, you can, are, do. You can do on Sabbath, but there are also things you do on Sabbath that you don't do on vacation. Spiritual recharging type stuff. Yes. So like for him, he just took a Sabbath, I think two years ago. And it was seven weeks. He went to Europe. Yeah. Uh, without his family. Just him. Just him. And he went and did um, like some kind of class with a bunch of like professors and pastors of the very influential variety. Uh, Todd Still was there. Scott McKnight was there. Tom Wright was there. Very exclusive group. <laughs> yeah. That was his Sabbath. Wow. Because Sabbath is not something you take your family on when you're going for that kind of experience. Right. Now, So what's, what, would, what would be the difference between Sabbath and sabbatical? Daily versus extended. Okay. That's really the only difference. It's just uh, the way you're forming the word. Okay. They're the same thing. But for Ken... Sabbath is this idea of rest. It's this idea of recharging. So what can you do on Sabbath? Anything that brings you joy. Hmm. Um, so for me, my Sabbath rule, and I have my rule of life, and my Sabbath rule is... I'm going to take one 10-hour consecutive period, not asleep. It doesn't include sleep time, where I'm not going to work, and I'm just going to do whatever I want. 
For me, that works. Is that a, every week? Yeah, weekly. For me, that works because I prefer to do a little bit of work every day. And so I can start my Sabbath at like 6 or 7 p.m. one night, stay up till midnight, go to sleep, and then carry it over the rest of the day. And then when the 10-hour period's up, I can do a little bit of work at the end of the next day. That's how I like to do it. There are lots of people who just do it from the time I wake up on one day of the week to the time I go to sleep on that same day of the week, right? You can do it however works for you. But in that time period, you're not going to work. If you're working, it's not Sabbath. Yeah. If you answer no phone work. calls, if you re- respond to emails, if you read emails, if you're thinking about work. That's so hard. None of that is Sabbath. That's so hard. I mean, doing our past, a lot of our pastoral care stuff, I get phone calls all the time, right? And uh, text messages, like people asking for help and trying to get me to help them put out fires. Like, I And I could not not answer those phone calls. You know what I mean? You will burn out if you don't figure out a way not to. Yeah. You will burn out if you don't figure out a way not to. I don't. I just do not answer it. Hmm. From the time my Sabbath starts... If it is work-related, I just refuse to answer it. Mm. I mean, I just, I just do not. Um, because I first and fo- it's it's almost like when you're on an airplane and you have to put the os- oxygen mask on, what do they always say? Put it on yourself first because you can't help anybody if you don't have it on? Yep. Yeah. Sabbath is me putting on my oxygen mask. Right. I can't pour into you if I'm not full. No, that's fair. So I just don't. Can't pour out of an empty cup. That's right. I just don't. I am going on sabbatical this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I leave on Thursday to fly to North Carolina. Well, at the time we're recording this, I'm doing that. But by by the the time time this comes out, out, I'll be like, it'll be three weeks past it. And I'll probably be in New York. (laughs) Probably. But so I'm leaving on Thursday. And I'll come back on Wednesday and be gone for almost a week yeah. um, just to get away. I'm going to do some hiking in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Go play some golf. Um, no, I'm not going to get to play any golf. No? No. Man, that I just, stinks. Well, I'm getting new clubs oh, and, yeah. and then trying to fly them or ship them. And just the whole, it was a hassle I didn't want to deal with. Whoa. And I was going to go play Pinehurst number two, but because we're in the middle of summer, they wouldn't let me if I wasn't staying at the resort and I'm not staying, I'm not paying it. I'm staying with friends. Yeah. So I'm not, not doing that. But when you get back, we're going to have to play. Yeah, for sure. So <clears throat> Sabbath is this idea of rest and finding rest and experiencing the things that you enjoy. Now, the hard part about that for me is I love what I do for work. Mm hmm. But I also know that if all I do is work, I'm a very unhealthy person. Well, there, there's so much more to life that you're missing as well, right? Yes, it's unhealthy, but for sure, I, I don't want us to miss the fact that like, because we are in this endless pursuit of hurry, yeah. Um, do you ever just stop and remember and see the beauty that is the world? 
that yes. is God's creation. You know yeah. what I mean? If you're constantly in a hurry, you don't see the, these things. You miss yeah. out on life. With that, Ken actually says in his book, he says, the truth is that we may be busy because we feel a need to validate our worth. Mm. Sabbath gives us a chance to step off the hamster wheel and <laughs> I love that. And listen to the voice that tells us we are beloved by God. Yes. The Sabbath heals us for our, from our compulsion to measure ourselves by what we accomplish, who we know, and the influence we have. Yeah. Sabbath enables us to define ourselves less by our achievements and more as beloved daughters and sons of God. Hmm. Why do you need Sabbath? Because you need to know you're loved. You need to take a step back. You need to decompress. Your worth is not in the things you do. Your worth is in who you are. Your worth is in that God loves you and gave himself up for you. And there's nothing you could ever do to earn that love. It's freely given. And if you live your life trying to earn it, you never embody it when it's given. That's what Sabbath does.